You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 109, sponsored by Jim Henley's Universe and Netflix. Here she comes in her palanquin on the back of an elephant on a bed made of linen and sequins and silk. Hey there, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 109. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. We're using full names now? We're using full names. We're coming right out. I know, people we're, could look me up on the web. I don't want that. <laughs> I'm Mr. F. If you, could, if you were to look us up on the web, you'd go to ifanboy.com, where that's our site dedicated to comic books, uh, where we read comics, and there's great discussions there. And every week, one of us picks the, um, the book that we feel is the pick of the week, write a review about it, and then we come here and talk about that book and the other books that came out this week. Um, but before we get to Connor and his, uh, his pick, I just want to warn you that we're going to talk about what happens in these comic books. So it's often known out there on, on in the internet as spoilers. So be careful. If you haven't read your comics yet, press pause, come back to us in a couple hours when you've read your comics because we don't want to ruin your experience because we like you. Um, I don't like Connor, though, so there you go. <laughs> well, fine, whatever. I'm done. <laughs> I have to say I was, I, was, I, was, I was agape at your pick. Well, I had a lot of books. I had like 15 or 16 books this week, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Countdown, and there's all kinds of x-men crossovers and batman crossovers and and in the middle of all that i took a chance on this sci-fi military book from garth ennis and virgin comics called dan dare number one um which is a he's a dan dare is a famous character from the 50s in, in the uk and i'd heard his name before but i didn't know crap about dan dare or, or anything like that so the name there's a name recognition factor plus the fact that it was garth ennis writing which is essentially another war comic set you know set in the future so i yeah. grabbed it the, the only copy in the little store i went to and, and then uh, I, after I saw you got it, I picked it up as well. And that's what it, 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 before I even started reading it, I opened on the inside cover and I saw created by Frank ha- Hampson. And I said, "Huh?" You know. And I went I, o- online and looked it up, and I had I'd never even heard of this character before. So I think it's possible that Connor doubled sales of this comic in America. <laughs> 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 so there's like twelve out there. Yeah. So um, basically, it's it's Dander was a uh, 1950s comic book and radio character in the UK, and it was a it, basically his pilot in the global defense force or whatever it was called um and if i had my notes in front of me i'd probably get that right but i don't so we're moving we're gonna just push push through it <laughs> and so what this what this issue is about is is it's somewhat similar in a setup to Battlestar galactica in that it's it's the years following a big alien human war and um the aliens were defeated and they left and so that now the people of earth are sort of in a malaise and they're they're very complacent. And Dan Dare is the war hero who drove the aliens away, and he's retired. And that's that's sort of the setup. And then, of course, as often happens, is the aliens have returned. Um, the people, the humans, don't don't appear to be ready for their that kind of attack force. And now they're scrambling. And the, the prime minister of in, of the UK, which is basically the role of that that the U.S. president holds hold now, and sort of the Western leader. Uh, He's sort of to, an empty shirt, though. Yeah, well, that's that's another thing. But he comes to he comes to convince Dan to come back to to the military. And and what's interesting is this: the setup is that there's no there's no United States, there's no China because they wiped each other out. The United States is just a big, cracked up surface of craters and, and nothingness. And um and and there's a more of a it's more of a global. It's, it's sort of it's like all sci-fi. It's the, the U.S. is the there's the the world is together as, as one sort of with the with the U.K. as the leader. And uh, and everything takes place in space. So the, it was basically it was a nice change of pace from what I normally read. You know, it was you don't read a lot. Of, I don't read a lot of sci-fi comics, and there aren't a lot of war comics. So 
in the midst of all the superhero fighting, it was nice to read political intrigue and, and military stuff, even though it was futuristic. And, and Garth Ennis really loves writing these kind of comics. And you can really tell he's, he's into it. He's, he's into the minutia of the, of the uh, machinery and the equipment. And, the, and, you know, there's a little conversation about Spitfire, which, you, you know, he threw in because he loves that stuff. And all of it was very, very interesting. And a lot of and really fun. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I picked it up after I saw you you had picked it and, and it was good. I mean I I, I like uh, Gary Erskine Erskine or whatever, his pencils. Yeah. I like him as a as an artist. I think he's got a, a good, you know, kind of clean, realistic, you know, kind of look. It, it was funny because reading this, two things came to mind. Um, do you remember that old uh, Ellis Warren Ellis Ministry of Space. Ministry of Space, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That, but of course, then uh, that was you know kind of what if England was the dominant you know country space, and, and space, developed yeah. a space. Old, old stories are predicated on on getting the yeah. U.S. out of the way. Yeah, which is funny because they're bringing you know, back they're, the empire. Yeah. That's <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> but then um, what I, what also made me think of this was um, was Kingdom Come. Um, in that the, this kind of was like Kingdom Come. Yeah, actually. the premise of of Dan Dare, similar to Superman in Kingdom Come, Dan Dare's living on this asteroid that is like artificially creating the England that he remembers. Like a and, big holodeck. Yeah, big holodeck, and then the then the prime minister comes and he turns it off, and you see just the nothingness of space, and he's sitting on a crater, uh, not on a crater, on a meteor, and um, or asteroid or whatever. And then um, similar to to um, Kingdom Come, when Clark Kent had created this whole fake Kansas, and Wonder Woman comes and pulls him out of it and drags him back because he's needed. So I thought that yeah. that, that device. Of course, you know it's not you know terribly you know terribly uh, you know original, but it's it, it works for it. And and I'll keep reading this. I mean, I I've tipped, I feel bad because Virgin is trying to put out comics, and I say that in kind of a a. <laughs> and it's not unlike a vast empty asteroid itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I haven't looked at any of them, but um, this was well, the first ever Virgin yeah. comic I've I've ever I've purchased. It was good. I, read and a actually- couple, I was gonna say I read a couple of the previews, uh, the ones that were more specifically based on uh, Indian folklore. Right. Um, and I was I was less interested. In those. Well, there, there's. One- I'm not interested in those, but so if they put out more stuff like this, that's that's just genre based, then I'm all for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, like jo- Josh, are you going to pick up the? Uh, looks like there's a preview in the back of this for the Stranded by Mike Carey. I will see what yeah. I think of it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I know you like Carrie, so I mean, like, it looks like the, it looks like they're. I do, but as, as opposed to go, I mean, like, I mean, they they created these Indian comics. I mean, I think for sale in India, which I don't know how that's going or not. But now it looks like they're kind of expanding their base and they're getting some of the the names that we recognize and like, and people who aren't under exclusive deals. And I mean, you got to tell me that that a couple of pages in when they showed that um, the Royal Navy Station Gibraltar. When they're all all the ships are locked into the base or whatever, I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to know this universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it was very, it was very engaging. I liked the setup. I liked the world. I liked Dan Dare. I liked the fact that he's living on this asteroid because he doesn't like what the Earth has become now. He doesn't want any part of it anymore. He doesn't feel resentful for it, and in fact, he will go and defend it when asked. But he doesn't want to be there, and that yeah. was interesting. That was very interesting. And the art's great. The art is great for this type of story. It's realistic, but it's, and it's got its own unique style. I love the fact that the aliens brought a black hole with them to the yeah, fight, which is that was like cool. yeah. ultimate trump card yeah. um, in any kind of battle. This is kind of a classic British sci-fi comic. I mean, yeah. this is... Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what it is. It doesn't feel American at all. That the you know Erskine's art style, and I I couldn't even tell you what it is about it, but it has that sort of quality of it that 
I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but like if I looked at it, I'd be like, "This is a British comic." Well, I, I mean, the, the, a lot of those British artists. Well, he yeah, is. He's an old yeah. school British artist. Yeah, a lot of a lot of yeah. the British artists that came out of the '80s and, and '90s and like the 2000 AD scene and stuff like that. All you could see, you it's not it's no it's not a leap of, of of understanding that they're all kind of similar because they're all similar in the same way that a lot of the American guys in the late '90s came up with the kind of manga kind of you know animation. Yeah, no, I'm, look, I'm yeah. saying I, I know that it's yeah. that 2000 AD style, I, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah, like I couldn't pick out the. The, the the facet of it that makes me say that I right. just can see. Josh, is this something you liked at all? I did. I think I think it was a first issue. I think it was a, a first act. This is almost like this is before and just after the credits. I think that the next issue will prove if it's any good or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I am interested to see what happens. This is fun to me. This is like um, it's similar to the world of like the Ender's Game books. Yep. Yeah. I really like that kind of thing. So you know, it was all I I, I liked how it was extremely subdued. Yeah. There was long political conversations, and I'm like, they just I just stopped a bunch of people from buying it. Like to me, I, when I say the book is very British, I mean the characters in it as well. Like he's to me, he's setting up a world that has uh, depth to it. He he's clearly paying homage to the character and the history in the world and stuff that's happened before. Writing it in a way that you can you can glean what has happened in the past, but not yeah. be explained. <laughs> you don't have every detail laid out for you. This is what happened. It's, you pick it up from the conversation between Digby and the and the secretary of, of and I'm of totally down with that. And, I like that a lot. And what's interesting is that we never find out what year it is, but we know it's it's slightly the future. Well, because it's funny because, in the fifties when this was written, uh, it was taking place in the nineties because back <laughs> in the fifties, the nineties was going to be the time when everything happened in Star Trek. Even yeah, it was, uh, they found it wasn't cons from the nineties, so like they, they thought by the nineties we'd be all in space and stuff. But right, who knows when this actually happens? It's not really important, but I like the fact that. The exposition comes from the from comes from the scenes from the dialogue and not from just laying out. Right, but but, but the point I was making is that it ta- it takes place slightly in the future, but like it's not so in the future that everybody's wearing spacesuits and and right. and like you know like the like what I thought was really interesting was like on the ship there's a because there's a c- scene where a, a fleet of ships are attacked by the aliens. All the in the in the cockpit or the bridge or whatever, all the pilots and stuff are in front of like monitors, like right. not like not. LCDs or flat panels or anything like that. They're old school kind of, you know, CRT tube monitors, you know. And that, that was sort of the conceit yeah. in Ministry of Space also. Yeah, it was exactly. like alternate 1985. Yeah. So, so like you could, you could, and they're all wearing suits and, and you know, clothes of our time. So you could tell me that this, you know, this is an alternate right now or this is, you know, 2020 or whatever. And I totally would believe it, you know. Right, so, yeah. yeah. So it's believable. So that's what's cool about it. So, so if you've been missing this kind of comic, this is probably. I think it's if you're into sci-fi, like this is totally, yeah. I mean, this is totally up your yeah. alley. This is. The problem Virgin has is they've got no brand awareness. Nobody knows what they are, who, right. who, what they produce. I didn't, you know. They do, but know. not in terms of comic books. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I didn't know about this until basically the day before Comic Day came out. I added yeah. to my pull list. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll figure it out. Uh, yeah. And this, the store I went to was not my normal store because I was, I was on vacation and I had, literally had one copy. And I didn't, yeah. it was the one I bought. So they need to get their word out more. Like, this is another thing about this is this is Garth Ennis. And his war stories mode. This is not over the top, super violent yeah. Garth Ennis. This is not super vulgar Garth Ennis. This is not like. You're right. There are two Garth Ennises. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. There really are. Yeah. There's the guy that writes the war stories books, which can be violent because it's, because war is violent, but it's not the over the top, um, reveling in it, violent like creature and the boys and stuff like that. Um, this is the very thoughtful and and, and he's basically in love with the past. Yeah, it's workmanlike. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can just see like the okay. I'm going to build this, and I'm going to do it this way. And it's and it's there's no flashiness about it of any kind. Yeah. Which is complete opposite of what he's actually kind of famous for in American comics. With every book I read afterwards, I thought, yeah, that that was not as good as Dan Dare. The other, the only other book that really came close to um, being picked of the week was Gotham Underground number two. Uh, this what is, is this title? Because I've seen it. I looked at it sort of initially and decided not to get it, but I didn't really look too far into it. Well, before before I answer that question, the quick background on the Batman world lately is for basically the last five years bat, the batman books have been in sort of a malaise uh nothing really that exciting has happened in them since i would go back as far as greg ruck and, and brubaker left the books it's not outright uh, bad but it's not really exciting. no they're in a, it's just in a malaise there's no direction nothing paul dini and grant morrison have been good but they've been they've been erratic Spotty. Yeah. yeah and there's no there's no unifying sort of feeling to you the books that you used to have through the whole uh, 90s through the early, mid early to late 90s when you had that whole that really long run of quality Batman books. So this has been an exciting miniseries. It's basically reestablishing the um, taking order in the criminal world in, in Gotham City. And there's a mob boss in from Metropolis named the Whale. There's an old character from 1977, and uh, he's Consolidating all the power. It's sort of like the, the hood over in New Avengers. It's it's basically hitting supposedly every single character in Gotham, all the major characters through the course of this nine-issue miniseries. And it's been really actually quite good. It's been surprisingly good. I bought it simply on the first issue to give it a shot, and it's been it's been actually quite excellent. The first this issue here gives you sort of a Gangs of New York history lesson of the gangs of Gotham in the first couple of pa- first couple of pages, and then leads to the the whale talking to all the gangsters at the table, like that sort of classic scene and. And um, it's it's just been really solid. I, I don't know I don't know what it is. The arts, Jim Califiore, who's good. Um, oh, yeah. This one fe- it features all of basically all the, the heroes. This one has Batman, Robin, Nightwing, um, Huntress, Oracle, the, even the Question. And then there's a the surprise, the big reveal in this one is there's somebody jumping around Gotham in the spoilers outfit, which mm-hmm. can mean lots of things. All the major villains: Joker, Penguin, Riddler, Two Face. You know, everybody's in this book. Everybody. And it's actually yeah. been, it's been nice and solid and focused, and it's been fun so far. It's basically the, the heroes trying to figure out what's going on because the the underworld is is, is shifting. And, that sounds uh, some kind of all right. It is right right now. Batman is undercover in prison as Matches Malone, and he's like, apparently next issue he's going to fight Mister Zaz. <laughs> I love Matches Malone. It's just yeah. like it's so. It, it just seems so out of time. Like it. Like if you if you actually was like that wouldn't work today. It's a dumb name for one thing. But if you just kind of go with it, it's fun. It's like an anachronism, really. Yeah, and now apparently Nightwing has his own Matches Malone, Freddy DiNardo. Little, <laughs> That's a, a great name. <laughs> he's got a little, little he's... soul pack. Uh, this, this, I, and, it's, and you can't put your finger on what makes Dan Dare British. I can't put my finger on what makes this good and compelling because there's other Batman books that are okay too. But mm-hmm. this one, I think he has a good handle on all the major characters. Frank Thierry's the writer, and he's got all. He's got a really good handle on everybody. Um, and I think this is going. I mean, I this, I started off buying this on a lark, and I think this is actually going to go somewhere interesting. Um, so I would recommend this to anybody looking for good Batman books. There's only two issues out so far. It's a nine issue miniseries, and I have, some, I have another point. I'm going to relate to this in another book later. From that same sort of area of books, uh, is the uh, have you guys been reading the Crime Bible by Greg Rucka? I have. I have not. Okay. Okay. Basically, it's the same team who started off on Checkmate. Um, and it's about. Do you remember in '52 there was the cult of of like uh, bad guys who worshipped the crime bible. They were the ones who were trying to were like going to sacrifice somebody. I forget. And the question ended up breaking up. And this is basically the question trying to bring down the organization. And it's a 
Well, this is the five lessons. Yeah, it's the five. It's a five issue miniseries. This is the second one. The first one was, uh, uh, I would say, a bit obtuse. Would you call it? Uh, yeah, that was an understatement. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate very it, but it was no, I didn't either. It just didn't make any sense because it was very yeah. This one was was first of all, my first thought when I read this, this is that each of them take on, I guess, uh, some sort sort of sin. So this one's lust. Now I don't know why there are five instead of seven, but whatever. Well, the five lessons um, of plot though is each lesson. Right. Um, so basically, what happens is uh, Rene Montoya uh, infiltrates a whorehouse <laughs> in Spain. And she sort of starts a, a weird relationship with one of the uh, prostitutes there. And I got to tell you, I don't know if I don't think that this one got approved by the Comics Code because <laughs> I was like, okay, and I, I don't want to be all like like uh, prurient about it, but I was like, geez, this is um, yeah, a little shocking. It was a little lusty, yeah. like a lot lusty actually. And um, it was uh, it was actually really good, and it was kind of like. It was kind of dangerous and kind of sexy and kind of like – I was like, wow, you don't really get this in comics very often. And because it's not the sort of cape and cowl sort of traditional superhero in a, superhero in a costume book, it was much more grounded. I really liked it actually. I thought this issue was great. Yeah, it was good. One it. thing I really liked was Jesus Sayas, uh, probably probably butchering that um, – she really gives Renee a distinctive face. Yep. She, she I looks, feel like she – looks, She looks Latino, not just a darkly colored white person. Yeah, I think his um, work here is stronger than it had been on Checkmate. Yes, you get that sense. I don't know if the, absolutely. The, it was the, very, it was very clean. I don't know what it was. Um, did he do the inks too? Uh, yeah, he did. The, he did. He inked himself. So maybe it that's definitely, it. It was definitely stronger. It was cleaner. It was, it was. It was a nice look. Everybody had their own faces, but I really liked Renee's look. She really looked mm-hmm. unique. It was fun. It was more. It was more. It was easier to handle than the first issue, which really didn't make a lot of sense. I don't think it had too many twists. Yeah, the um, first issue felt like you had missed the beginning of it, and then you didn't really get the end of it. But this was more what I expected when I hear Greg Rucker writing a book about Renee as the question. Yep, absolutely. And I think now, did the you not the, read the first page? The uh, big text I, block? No, I kind of skipped it. Yeah, I didn't either, because I, I think that explains the, the, the lust aspect. Each lesson is the first page, and I don't read it. I think I think that one of the real problems with this book right now for me is that why isn't it called the question? I think it's leading up to that. I know, no, but like, frankly, if if I didn't have a comic book website where I talked about people with this all the time, <laughs> I would never know yeah. that this was a book by Greg Rucka about Renee Montoya. The question. Yeah. It's called Fifty Two Aftermath: Crime Bible Lessons of Blood. That sounds like the worst book I could ever possibly want to put in my hands. Yeah. And next, and, and next uh, month, she question finds herself face to face with that woman. It's basically a question book without naming it a question book. They need to name it a question book. Why would you not do that? It's like abandoning your brand. I I, I don't know. The you know the rumors in the net is that they're they're weary of having a lesbian book. You know, uh, you know I'm sick but of that. This, I'm sick of that. It's this, a great character. Ruck is doing a great job. Just do it. The question has such a great history. Like you know, just do they, do they, it. They, listen, they did not shy away from it in the book. Right. No, she's all over. Like at all, she's she's the gay, and they go with it. <laughs> and I don't mean to say like it isn't done like no, lasciviously yeah. or anything, yeah. but they don't. They just it is what it is, and I like that a lot. Yeah. But if you know if that was the case, then this book wouldn't exist. It's inside the contents there, so yeah. just name it a question book. This is ridiculous. Yeah, Ron, I've got a I've got a um, tip for you. Should you ever go to a brothel? Yeah, there will be a creepy man in a hood watching your every move. Oh, okay, I'll look out for him. Uh, no, like you won't be able to see him. He's gonna be watching from like a room. Camera through a window or something. Yeah, oh. throw your shirt over the mirror or something like that. Yeah, no, cover right. everything. 
Good to know. Good to know. Bring a roll of duvetine. <laughs> I know you go to Vegas a lot. So. Yeah, well, you know. So anyway. So. Sensational Spider-Man 41, I need part, to, part three or four, one more day. I need to go to a brothel after this book. <laughs> Um, well, well, first off, like, like I almost, I almost stopped short in my tracks. I'm looking at the racks this week, and I see both All Star, Batman, and Sensational, and Spider Man One More Day both come out in the same week. I was like, my God, it's a comic book apocalypse. But anyway, so Sensational Spider Man number forty one, which is the third chapter in the One More Day um, disaster. Oh, I'm sorry, storyline um, over at Marvel, which is you know essentially the whatever the reboot or whatever the the, the shot in the arm that Spider Man needed that was supposed to be done two months ago. God, it was, it was way this, more than two months. It's ago. December now. This is supposed to be over by. September. That's awful. Is this, but, is this the same team? Is this JMS and Casada? Yeah, it is JMS and Casada. So what has happened now is apparently Spider-Man has been sucked into some little kind of, you know, like he's out of out of reality and he's being led on a tour by this little redheaded girl of possible versions of himself. Um, he meets a fat, kind of slovenly, low, lonely guy who plays video games to try to be a hero, and then he meets um, a older, kind of industrial, kind of Tony Stark-esque Peter Parker, and they're all kind of scenarios of what would happen if he didn't become Spider-Man. Um, essentially, I was like, oh, so this is Scrooged? Like, well, yeah, it w- but, I mean, it, it was, but I actually, call me crazy, but I really liked those scenes. Yeah, I like, no, 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 I think, actually, I think, honestly, this was... This, this was the best issue This of the was three. the best issue of the whole thing, um, and then <laughs> ultimately it leads up to, now, now just to preface this, Months and months and months, we heard through the grapevine that this storyline would feature Spider-Man coming up to face with Mephisto, and Mephisto would say he wants their marriage, and that's how Aunt May would live. And we talked to people in the industry, and it got kind of, you know, oh, no, it's not, but, you know, typical kind of direction, and say, well, we'll believe it when I read it, and that's exactly what happened in this issue, is that after meeting all these people, he stumbles upon this this beautiful woman dressed in red, and... um. She turns out to be Mephisto, and Mephisto also has Mary Jane captured, and he basically says, you know, you want Aunt May to live? Fine, then I want your marriage. And he's like, and you'll have one more day to spend together in the life that you know, and then, you know, then I then I take your I take your happiness and your love. <laughs> and on that day, they have to go to Home Depot together and get blinds. Yeah. <laughs> we really should have spent our time better. Uh, we waited in line for an hour. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what marriage is really like. And then they have to go to Target. Yep. But so, but so that said, I really, really liked Casada's Mephisto. Yes. I thought, I thought, I thought the, art, the art was really good. The art, it was again very Jay Lee like in some yeah. panels. Um, and I mean, say what you will about the device. I mean, but that so this is what it is. This is I do. I did like seeing the alternate Peters. I liked one. The basically the, the slovenly fat video game Peter was the one who, if he'd never been bitten, yep, um, and been stayed as stayed the lonely geek. And that's where he's, he's sort of the. Um, the doormat, and then the other, the other sort of Tony Stark Peter is the one who channels his his loneliness and anger into science, and becomes a billionaire by the time he's thirty, and becomes a Parker Industries, and he's got a mustache and he's a drunk. Yeah, I was just gonna say, did you notice the bottle? Ain't like yeah, he's sitting in the yeah. limo looking at all these screens of like sales, and he's got a bottle. It's just, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's I mean, I, I like seeing that. And the little girl was Peter and and Mary Jane's child, possible daughter, if they yeah. you know stay together uh that part was good i just the, the the problem is the conceit of this entire thing is bad it's just so it was, contrived it's just so i don't know it's it just, seems it's, to fit in the greater marvel scheme i mean like we, people don't like mephisto now because it's sort of silly but he is part of the marvel universe it's not and that said though the, if you ask me the real highlight of this issue was in the back they printed an excerpt of mephisto's first appearance in the silver surfer number three and which kind of sucks because i was hoping it would be the whole issue but it's just an excerpt and then it says you know continued in silver surfer omnibus volume one but i gotta tell huh. you stan lee john buscema pencils like i want this omnibus now 
Like, yeah, it, like, so it's beautiful. Oh, they were just beautiful, beautiful pages, you know? And so, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Memphis- someone, so, yeah, Memphis- someone on a forum made a good point. Now, it's a $4 comic book. Yeah. I think, I think it was Jimski, but it may not have been. The staples in the book are, they indicate the halfway point of the book, right? Yep. The story ends before the staples. Yes, so you're right. The comic ends before the staples. The last half of the comic is literally filler. Yeah, well, yeah. There's there's about nineteen now, you may, pages. You may or may not like the filler. There's yeah. the story that Ron liked. There's a lot of the a lot of the stupid bios they've been doing. Well, there's just but, one. There's one really, really epically long bio of Mephisto, which right. which by the way, for a moment, I mean, I just, I mean, say what you will, but I, I'm a Marvel nerd, but I love this because I was reading it. And it gives the whole history of him, and it gives kind of like the, the, the fast facts, like his name, his aliases. And Mephisto is supposed to be the devil, so all his aliases are like, you know, Beelzebub and, you know, uh, Lucifer, all this kind of, you know, Master of Malice. Um, but some, if you go through some of the names, Muffy, <laughs> um, Prince of Deceivers, blah, blah, blah. But then my favorite is it goes identity, occupation, citizenship, you know, citizenship is hell. Yeah. But then education, <laughs> extensively self-taught. <laughs> It's like it's like Mephisto didn't get into Yale. Mephisto had to learn this shit himself, you know. Like it's like, I actually I always liked Mephisto. Like when he would show up in the Daredevil stuff and things like that, yeah, I was yeah. just like, it's it's just kind of cool that Marvel has their own yeah. deities, cool, I the, guess. Yeah. The point is though, I think there's a lot of people who just don't care. I didn't even look at the filler, the filler stuff, so I'm paying for half right. a comic. But I don't I don't really care. I just want yeah. the main story. Yeah, well, they did that uh, with uh, Spider Man Ultimate Spider Man 100 too. Remember? Yep. Mm. And then but, I think Daredevil 100. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because they're you know like we're I think we're lucky to get even 22 pages from Casada at this point. So um, I don't know why you know like I can understand if they think people are just jumping on and be like who is this Mephisto guy and they want to give this history. But I mean that's like it's like so long. It's like it's it was painful for me to even read. It was so long, you know. So if I'm one of uh, the the editors working under Casada right now, I'm hating life because what sort of management uh, oh, you can't, clout yeah. are they going to have? Yeah. Because they're like 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 he's setting no kind of uh, precedence for his for his workers. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's sad. Like, no, you need to get this in. Joe's the boss, and he doesn't get it in. <laughs> yeah, but but um, but so I mean, so if you look at it, I mean, it's a, it's a, this is an interesting this is an interesting case because of the three issues, I thought this was the best looking. Um, but it had to do with a you know very kind of obvious conceit of a story. Josh, if I, I I'm at a loss with Faker. Are you? I was gonna ask. So basically, I wanted to know what you thought. Faker number five. Uh, Vertigo, of six. Five of six, Mike Carey, Jock. By the fifth issue, I should have some sort of firm grasp on what's happening in this book, and I have no idea. Oh, really? I've See, got, I've no. got it now. I feel For me, I feel the story has congealed, and I know what's going on. I thought um, that happened last month. This month blew it all up again for me. I have no clue. Nor, really? Nor do, I, nor do I think I care anymore. Okay. Well, then, I mean, I thought that basically the first character that we were introduced to in the whole series was this girl whose name I don't know. But, she, you know, and she's she's sort of a bad girl and she sleeps around and she uses her sexuality as a weapon and blah, 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 blah. Um, but she's got these friends and basically the government has created this horrible – this is for me a very sort of basic sci-fi story taking place in the now, I guess. Um, I just – I'm still – I'm like this rabid jock fan, I guess. And I thought that there was a sequence in the middle of it that um, basically she has to revive her friend who's not a real person because he's made of this chemical. He's a dream kiss, some kiss dream, something like that, yeah. which has nothing to do with Gene Simmons. Um, <laughs> but there was – there's like a little scene where she basically like has sex with him. And I was like, that's really kind of hot. And I mean it like – no – this is my theme this week, by the way. But like the thing so, is, what, there's no se- what sex. There's no sexuality in comics. The sexuality doesn't exist in comics that often, except in a very juvenile way. It's either like gratuitous or it's hinted at. 
And in this, I just thought they did it in kind of a sexy way. Like if you were watching a movie and you were like, that scene was hot. You know, it's not porn. It's not – It's not, but it's not, you know, it's not American Pie. It's just something else. You know, and I, I don't know. I thought I really liked the scene, the way that these, this stuff was drawn. I'm just I'm, oh, I'm are floored by I'm just floored by Jock's Jock's pages and the way that he puts stuff together. The story is pretty basic. I'm not nearly as confused as as you say you are. Um, but basically, like she kind of ends up with powers, I guess. Yeah. But um, I'm actually really liking this as a six issue miniseries. I, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I like that they do stuff like this, and it doesn't necessarily always work out. But um, I don't know. I I, I thought it was coming together pretty well. Well, fantastic. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm gonna buy the six issues. Hopefully, it all wraps up. But I don't. I don't know. I don't. Okay. I, just, I don't know the point of it. I don't know what. I don't know the point. <laughs> the main, Ron, save us. I don't know if I can. The <laughs> the uh, the Pop Gun anthology from Image Comics came out this week, and um, Pop Gun Volume One. And I know you know we often talk. We get the question about anthologies and stuff like that. I, I grabbed this one because it was probably it's twenty nine ninety nine, so it's thirty bucks, but it's four hundred fifty dollars, four hundred fifty pages. And in it, you know, they've got stuff from Mike Allred and, um, and Jonathan Hickman and Eric Larson and Jim Mafood and Jamie S. Rich and Tim Seeley, as as well as a whole bunch of people I ain't never heard of. It, this is just was looked. It just struck me on the shelf as like one, and I flipped through it as one of the most kind of colorful, beautiful, diverse kind of anthology. And again, they're all little short stories. And there's like the table of contents is like four pages long. Um, is there a common theme? Uh, no, there's no – well, I don't know. I haven't read it yet. I mean it, 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 so there might be. But it does say that you know, like on the opening kind of title pages, it says Pop Gun Volume 1, a graphic mixtape, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. On the back, there's like a you know, kind of a tape kind of drawing and in the, you know, in the, in the reels, there's like art and I don't know. But um, so it appears to be all different. It's not, there's not like a theme like robots like in the 24-7 anthology that Image does or the Bell and Sebastian Light. one or anything like that. Yeah, or the four-letter words one that they did. But um, – so I'm really I'm just really excited to read this and I'll probably be talking about it later, you know, once I get through all 450 pages, but if you're looking for something new like I have been recently and you're looking for names that might are up and coming and that you might hear about more, these are the kind of places I think where they they come up um and you just kind of never know what you can find and for, you know, like I said 30 bucks is a lot, but for 450 pages it looks like there's such a diversity of of kind of art style and stories and type thing in there. It's just I'm really excited for it. So it's a beautiful anthology. And you know, I know, you know, anthologies get a hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to put together. A hard thing to do well. And I know you guys are particularly um, hard on them. Um, Boring. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, but, whoa, 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 whoa! That's Josh. Don't let me with Josh. <laughs> but um, but this one, this one looks, this one looks really, 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 really good. So um, yeah. So so if you if you're curious and you want to check out new stuff, I recommend it. But I haven't read anything yet, so I I take I reserve the right to pull that recommendation back. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, but Connor, if I wanted to find the Pop Gun Volume One anthology, where could I go? Uh, you can go to Jim Hanley's Universe if you're in New York City. It's one of America's best and most progressive comic book stores. Jim Hanley offers the best selection of comic book titles and related merchandise, from mainstream to manga to minis to Pop Gun anthologies. Jim Hanley's Universe has it all. And when you're in New York City, come visit the place where art and literature meet. Is Jim Hanley's Universe? Jim Hanley's Universe is located opposite the Empire State Building in Midtown Manhattan and at 325 New Dorp Lane in Staten Island. When you Stop in the store, tell them my fanboy sent you, and you can visit Jim Hanley's on the web at www.jhuniverse.com or visit them on MySpace at www.myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's Universe. Jim Hanley's Universe, where art and literature meet. Yay. 
Um, very quickly now, Batman 671, which is Ra's al Ghul's Resurrection 4 of 7. I know I'm in the minority really liking this. Um, this issue was really good. Grant Morrison, Tony Daniel, uh, Batman and Ra's al, Ghul fight, Ra's al Ghul's super old father, the sensei, who stabs Batman. <laughs> stabs Batman. I laughed at super old father. Yeah. Uh, stabs Batman in the chest with a big stake and um, beats down his son. It was good. Um, Death of the New Gods, number three. Uh, this I've really been enjoying. It's sort of been an under-the-radar miniseries, which I think is going to be really important to the whole Final Crisis thing. If, if, oh, it's going to be hugely important. Yeah, Yeah. so it's, it's about all the new gods basically getting murdered, and the villain is half is somewhat revealed. We don't know who he is. We see his silhouette. Um, Superman's in it. Jim Starlin's been writing and drawing it. It's very old-school written, very throwback-style dialogue. Josh, you'd probably really detest this. Um, but uh, my one complaint, which just has to do with the same thing with the Gotham Underground book is this is an eight part miniseries, which is which seems excessive to me. That's a maxi. Yeah, Gotham Gotham <laughs> Underground is a nine part miniseries. This is this this one particular could be a four part miniseries and you could cut out half the filler. More uh, than four issue like, more than four issues, it's a maxi series. Miniseries is four oh, issues. Oh more than more than six. Six? Okay, six, fine. Six, I'll, yeah. I'll concede six. I'll concede six. Uh, but eight is way too long. Yeah. I mean it's been interesting, but I mean eight months of eight months of this is gonna be too much. I agree. Um, but it's been it's been good if you're the whole new gods thing. I think Final Crisis you should probably check it out. Um, X Men number two hundred five, the next chapter in the Messiah Complex, chapter five. Uh, this got touted. We got a lot of press notices from Marvel that this was going to be a big deal. Um, just a real kind of quick hits on it. Uh, Cable is back. He's not dead. He's back from the dead. Surprise, surprise. Um, it looks like the Sentinels are. They they have overcome they the Sentinels they had put people in them to drive the Sentinels so they wouldn't be robots anymore. Well, it looks like the robots are back and they attack the mansion. Um, but the big thing was that supposedly an X Men fa- an X Man falls in this issue, and for the life of me, I can't tell you who died. That's because the art made no sense whatsoever. Exactly. I mean, the, the thing with Pacello is that like Chris Pacello did the art and Mike Carey wrote it. I, Mike Carey wrote it very well, moved the story. I thought the story is still continuing well in that. Yeah, no, no, it was really the story. Yeah. There, there is a panel on the on the second page that's like kind of like a wide shot of like the X Men facing off the Marauders that like really looks like it's like his thumbnail. Like, there's no detail to it. It just like it's it's possible. Like I. I know a lot of people love Bacello and like the stuff that he does, stuff like that. It's just it's not for me. Uh, now I'm coming out saying I just don't like it. So, um, but that's okay. Did Angel die? A- Here's how I can figure it out: either Angel died, Nightcrawler died, or Wolverine died, or one of the new X Men died. I don't know. Uh, the Was ju- it supposed uh, to be? Yeah, I mean they like say they, they say an X Men falls, but they never didn't say dies or whatever. You know what I mean? Like people right. basically people got people got fucked up. Maybe nobody dies. Nobody ever dies anyway. Look, they're all everybody's falling matter. down yeah. all the time. I was I mean like Nightcrawler got <laughs> got shot with a nine millimeter hollow point bullet. Um, Wolverine got his powers removed from him um, and uh, temporarily I think um, Angel just got uh, no Angel. I don't know what happened to Angel because at one point Angel goes off to do something and then there's somebody shape shifting posing as Angel. So G- Gambit might have died. Wolverine might have killed Gambit because there's one panel where Wolverine st- sticks his claws all the way through Gambit. I mean, like well, literally, that wasn't, I, that wasn't even Angel. I can't even make heads or tails. Of yeah, that. no. The thing is that like Bacello's art actually detracted from the story. There were panels that I thought were laid out wrong, where like half the panel was cut off, like it, it was in the bleed space. I think, like I don't know, like it just looked. It looked bad. It was unbelievable. So, but other than that, the story is moving, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bad, I'm paying for one half of a bad comic book. And <laughs> what's the, the one other half? half yeah. On the on the other hand, uh, I'm loving to death. Uh, I'm talking about Countdown to Adventure number four. 
um, which is the uh, it's it's half of it is Adam Beechin writing the continuing adventures of uh, Adam Strange, Starfire, and Animal Man uh, as as depicted in Fifty Two, and then the other half is a horrible horrible waste of my time uh, with Forerunner. Um, <laughs> I don't even I don't even read that section anymore. Yeah, I skip it. Too. I skim it. I skim it at this point because I'm it's a four dollar book. Yeah. So well, well, like which Spider-Man. tells you. Well, exactly, which tells you a lot, though, because uh, that normally would be enough to make me not buy it. But I really like the first part. I don't Whoa, know when is that it just happened. Batman? Yeah, I didn't even look at the section. Why is <laughs> yeah, Nazi, and, and, Nazi Batman and, doing? And Nazi Batman is is trying to pick up Forerunner. I want you to have dinner with me this evening. Oh <laughs> yeah, my it's, god! No, it's awful. It's 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 actually it's horrible. Justin Gray is the writer of that, and he's the other half of the Jimmy Palmiotti partnership. Um, and I think ah. I'm starting to get something um, out of it. But no, I, uh, but the other half is really the thing I want to focus on. Um, I good am stuff, like, yeah. how much fun is this book? Yeah, it's a rollicking book, good time. They, they, should, is, they should keep it as an ongoing and let Beach and write it because he's doing a great job with it. Yeah, that and like the the conflicts that are going on between Animal Man and Starfire and like just like she kind of at one point like she got pissed off and acted out at him and he's sort of in this weird thing where is he gonna does he not care about his wife anymore and then yeah. there's a beautiful page where like he reconnects with the morphogenetic field and it's that sort of throwback kind of page where you see, yeah. like you see the outline of his face and all the animals and stuff. Oh, and then and then back on you know it's totally cheesy comic book conceit but when adam strange gets his stuff back you're like you know yeah. when he stands up yeah. yeah you totally are and i don't know why you know the first time when i started reading comic books i saw adam strange i was like this is the lamest thing ever and every time he shows up in a comic book it makes it better yeah. and i don't know why that is but he's a great character for whatever reason yes he is, he is. um and i just I'm, I'm having so much fun with that part of the book and it's kind of a shame Again, you know, like it's called Countdown to Adventure, and then the cover is like I, I feel it's the same thing. All of these fifty-two and and Countdown spinoffs aren't focusing on what's good about them on the covers. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's me. Yeah. But so, uh, that first that half is great. So a couple of weeks ago, I was really really sad when uh, the Fear Agent uh, Rick Remender Tony Moore series came to an end because I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it was so good. But then this week, Fury number seventeen comes out, and it's a new story I, arc. It's. <laughs> I think it's actually an ongoing, with the excuse yeah. to delay it. <laughs> like this is if they can't get people together, then they can be like, no, it's not delayed. It's just, yeah. just the next chapter. I mean, what, what, what's great about this is that Fury Agent number seventeen in the series, but this is Hatchet Job. The, the, this story arc is called Hatchet Job, and what I like in the upper left hand corner of the cover, it says Hatchet Job one of five. So this is like a five issue kind of story, but it's issue number seventeen in the ongoing Fury Agent series, which is great. Does I love it, that. Does yeah. it say that? Yeah. Uh, yes. In the inside cover, it says number seventeen in a series. Yeah. No, on the front cover. It and it says it on the front cover too, 17, yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is technically Fear Agent number 17. So, uh, yes. And it's, it, 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 I don't know, just, it's just great. Jerome, Jerome Opeña is doing the art um, yeah. as opposed to Tony Moore. They're, I guess they're going back and forth between the art on story arcs, which is, I guess. Tony, Tony Moore is going back to Exterminators for a while. Yeah. And then, but I think he's going to come back and do the next arc on Fear Agent. So, mm-hmm. um, but just again, this is just, it's just great. It's just, it's just, it's, it's yeah. More the same. Yeah. And I mean that in a good way. Um, but I just, and again, I, I don't know what it is with Rick Remender's books, but his books are always on like the best paper. Yeah, the with, production like, the is great. Color. The production. Oh is my really god, great. it's a beautiful book. Yeah. Um, this is a lot like the earlier one, uh, Fear Agents, where he's like off in space and having some grody adventure. There's a lot of inner monologue of Texas. Yeah, where I was just like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it was really um, good. It was really really good. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Good. Cool. So, uh, so that was the week in comics. Um, it was a it was a good week. It was a hearty week, a stout-hearted week. 
Um, yeah, there are other books and stuff, but we got to talk what we can talk about. Yeah. Um, so let's, All move right. on, let's move on to the email. email. Dokal Wright says, just wondering why you guys aren't talking about the whole Annihilation deal. You've given Nova some attention, but not the rest of the Annihilation universe. I picked up the first Annihilation trade recently and frantically ate everything up. I've since gathered all of the singles of the Conquest series. I'm definitely an old-school Marvel guy, so all of this cosmic stuff are familiar and cool in a cheesy way. I will admit some of it sucks. Quasar series is written really badly, even though it connects with one of the best Marvel series ever, Peter David, Captain Marvel. But when it is good, it is great. The Star-Lord series alone is worth the price of admission. A team with Rocket Raccoon and Bug from the Micronauts is heaven. This is definitely the sinister war of the Marvel U. It could survive, survive on a Messiah Complex Annihilation. Ah, I butchered that last line. I could survive on a Messiah Complex and Annihilation alone these days. Cool. Um, I read the the first Annihilation, the the stuff from last summer. Um, admittedly, I didn't keep up with the Annihilation Conquest stuff, um, just because it was a lot of. St- it came out with a lot of stuff at the same time. A lot of stuff came out at the same time, so I had to basically choose. Um, it's almost like a whole line of books. It's a, it is a whole line of books, and if you're into science fiction, if you're into like the Dan Dare stuff, and you also like Marvel, you might want to look into it because it's been it's straight up kind of sci-fi kind of stuff. There, and they've introduced a bunch of new characters, and they're doing really cool stuff. I've kept my eye on it, and I'm definitely going to either pick up the you know catch up to it in the trades or in or in the single issues or something like that. But just all reason why I'm not reading it is just because I don't have so much time, you know. Um, but but I have heard I've basically Dolker Wright summed up what I have heard correctly is that you know some of it does does suck but the, when it's good it is really really good so um, are you guys still reading Nova yes Josh yeah you am. guys talked about it like the first three or four issues like every every month like clockwork and then like nothing oh yeah no it's no well, it, it's been it, but the thing is it's been more of the same it hasn't been it hasn't taken a bad turn but it hasn't you know shot out of the stratosphere and like in of the best comic we've said ever. everything yeah. that needed to be said about it so yeah, far so I think right. yeah cool okay. that's right. yeah that's the only one I'm reading our next email comes from Glenn from Texas, who says, If memory, ser- memory serves me correctly, two or all three of you have at one time or another quit reading comics for a while. His question is, when did you know it was time to quit? He's 38 and has been reading around for 30 years. I realized a few months back that my previous order is down to 10 books a month, all DC, four of which are Countdown. I feel the books that I'm reading I- – I like the books that I'm reading, but I find that when I'm done, I'm left with a feeling of, meh. Is it time to quit? I don't want to stop reading. I like being a comic reader. I also like my LCS and its owner. He's a good guy, and I want to keep supporting him. I actually think that maybe I'm on the verge of being a trade paperbacks only kind of guy. Help me, I fanboy. You're my only hope. Well, you're in a different position than I was when I stopped reading because I was 13. Yeah, and I, I was eight. <laughs> I, I was 18. So yeah, it's, yeah. I've so never like, <laughs> you know what though? I see what you're saying, and, and I actually, before we started doing the podcast, I felt a lot like you do. Yeah. Um, I was in a lot of that where I was really sort of unsatisfied by everything. Um, and what I think you need to do, and I was going to say before you got to that part that going to trade paperbacks and just reading good stories is actually a really good way to go if you're having that kind of feeling because there's probably stories and things that you can go back to that you know they're collected and you can read them right through and they give you that great feeling again of oh my god these can be really good again where sometimes monthly issues don't always do that because right. it's a crapshoot. I mean, I mean, for reading your letter, it sounds like you don't want to stop reading. So like that that's so there's your answer right there. I mean if you like no, but he needs to find something that makes him feel Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not getting any joy out of it. Right. So So it might be the kind of thing where where, you know, go to go to Borders or Barnes and Noble and flip through some titles you never read before and and or go to your L C S and kinda spend some time there and and try stuff new stuff, you know what I mean? Like there's exciting stuff out there, you know, so I'm guessing, I mean, like a lot of the stuff that got me back in, you know, to really being excited about it was going in and reading some of the classic things that I had never read before. I'm thinking like 
like when I went and I bought the Animal Man trades, I was like, oh man, these are this is a great story that I didn't know about, you know. And it and it, it does it eclipses anything going on in current issues right then because it's so good. Or or Starman or um, yeah. there's other stuff like that though. So find something that you maybe you missed or you were curious about. Get some trades and see if you can recapture that feeling. And maybe you know maybe issues aren't for you. Yeah. So. You don't have to stop reading comics. You, you don't want to. And you can still order trades from your LCS and go hang out at your store. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing's wrong with that. So check with the check. Go go on our forums and and you know see if you can drum up some stuff that you've never read before that people think is good yeah, based just, on what you did like. Just ask for recommendations and you'll get inundated. Trust us. So there's a recommendations thread there. No, awesome. Ryan W from Union City, California says I stopped by Isotope Comics in San Francisco and picked up Sleeper Volume One since you guys recommended it so highly. I was hooked right away and finished the whole series in a weekend. Based off the type of story and character in Sleepers, would you recommend picking up any of the trades of Wildcat? Also, I'm intrigued with the history of comic culture and the backgrounds of creators and publishers. Are there mm-hmm. any books you'd recommend that explain some of that history, i.e. biographies of characters or nonfiction books about the comic industry? Biographies of creators. Question one first. Question one. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, why not? Not I mean, all of it. Though. Yeah, not. I, mean, I have seen, I have never read a lot of the early Wildcat well, stuff. And he, if you he, like Sleeper, that's probably not what you... If you liked, if, you, if you're curious about the character Tao, or T-A-O, whatever, Tao, you know, like the head of the, the evil thing pick up the uh, alan moore's complete wildcats recently came out in trade paperback that is the beginning of that character and right. that starts his history and that's also a really really good fun run it's different than sleeper and that it's not as dark and dodgy and kind of espionage but you see the the beginnings of, of how brubaker brought it to that world i've but, never read that but i've heard that it, it's great it's great it's like fantastic, really yeah. no yeah. right um from there when it came back in volume three or no volume two there was a there was a short Stint by Scott Lobdell, I think, yep, with yep. Travis Charest pencils. That's not very good. And then around issue six, seven, something like that, Joe Casey took over. Yep. Um, and then he wrote it all through the end of volume two, which went into the 40s, and then did uh, volume three, which went into the teens or early 20s, I think. And that whole run of Joe Casey's Wildcats is excellent. Yeah, definitely strongly recommend that. So, um, um, for, yeah, for I your, love those. For your second question, are there any books we recommend that explain some of the creator's history? Yes, there is. There's an entire company dedicated to this. They're called Tomorrow's Publishing, and they put out a great series of work called uh, Modern Masters. Um, what they do is they, they – Basically, it's an entire book of an interview with uh, on one creator. They've done, you know, like they've done a bunch of them. Uh, I think, you know, I know, I know they did Alan Davis, but they did Michael Ringo. They did, um, um, I think they did a George Perez one. I think maybe um, did uh, Ron, Connor has the um, Kevin McGuire, Kevin McGuire. Kevin, right? Yeah. Um, so it's called. Two, two spelled at T-W-O Morrow's Publishing and you can find them online and we'll we'll put up a link to it on, on the show notes um, but it's I mean they, that's they, they put out just magazines and books dedicated to conversations with creators and histories of creators and, and analysis of the industry it's really good so there's one yeah. book I've got that I think he might like um, it's called Will Eisner's Shop Talk yes and it's, yeah it's Will Eisner uh, this is clearly before he died this was in the um, 80s interviewing one-on-one interviews with um, famous people from the industry. So you've got like Neil Adams, C.C. Beck, Milton Caniff, Jack Davis, Lou Fine, Gil Kane, Jack Kirby, Joe Kubert, Harvey Kurtzman, Joe Simon, um, and Phil Swooling. It's just just one-on-one interviews transcribed um, with an eyes. It's just, you know, it's it's not the same as you get with an interviewer. It's it's a peer talking to a peer, so you get a lot more interesting... Um, dialogue about the, yeah. the process of art. It's mostly about artists, but and, it's really good. And um, there's also a book, if you're more interested in the publishing side of things, there's a book called Comic Wars, which um, is a, a, a account of all the Marvel nastiness of the 90s. 
um, that that kind of goes about how Marvel went out of business and all the kind of behind the scenes business runnings. And also, Tomorrow's Publishing puts out a great history of Image Comics, which goes into a lot of the creator stuff, but also the business side of how Image came to be and all that kind of stuff. So Marvel didn't go to business; they went bankrupt. They went bankrupt. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they didn't stop publishing. All right, our last email comes from John from Brooklyn. Uh, that's in New York. Um, he's heard us talk about Bone from time to time, and he's thinking of picking up the Bone one-volume edition. I don't think I've heard you talk much about Cerebus on the show. The only thing I know of Cerebus is that when he and the Ninja Turtles did a crossover. What are your thoughts on Cerebus? Should I try reading Bone first? Should I pick up both? It's funny he says this because I I, I've taken up the challenge, and I started reading Cerebus Volume 1 uh, this uh, past really? couple of weeks. Yeah, so, you haven't uh, read I bought Cerebus. Oh no, I've 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 read it. I flipped through it. I've never said, okay, I'm going to read the entire run, and now I'm going to read all oh. three, the 300 the 300 issue run of Cerebus. I'm going to do it. So I I bought the first one about five years ago, and that was as far as I made it. Yeah. And it wasn't because it was bad. No, it's it great. Was just, it's just it's too epic. Much. Um, well, the, th- it was the di- too big. The difference between Bone and Cerebus is that Bone is while well, they're both very kind of epic kind of fantasy stories, Bone is a little more lighthearted. Um, where, where Cerebus has got some biting criticism and some social commentary and some, um, it's very smart, but it seems to to me it just seems a little bit more darker, a bit more uh, harder, you know. So, um, and Cerebus likes meat. Yes, he does. Yeah, the, well, the, the first the first thing is basically just Conan, but with with the Aardvark instead, and then from there, apparently, it, it morphs and changes into what it becomes later. Yeah, from what I understand, because like, like every I, big I have, epic fun changes in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've never heard anything other than it was, you know, than it was great. It's just one of those things that it's such a big thing that I don't think any of us have ever gotten all the way through it, yeah, or very far. But into I'm, it at I'm all. gonna gonna do it. That's my goal this year. So and we will report back to you on that in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So if you have any questions, you can shoot us an email at contact at ifanboy dot com. We love to hear from you. Um, so thank you. And then you could go. Uh, you could go to the Netflix. If, who's one of our sponsors. Um, they've got over 75,000 titles, no late fees, free shipping both ways, fast delivery. They've got plans starting from $4.99. There's a two-week free trial if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy should you not already be signed up, which is criminal. <laughs> All right. Uh, so on to the voicemail. Um, our first voicemail comes from someone who wants to know if we care about the Sasquatch. What's up, fanboys? It's Rob from Detroit. Um, I just got done reading Proof Number 2, and you know what? I've never heard you guys talk about it on the show. I don't even know if you guys are reading it. But if you're not, fucking get on that bandwagon, man. Um, it's so worth the money. It's got the comic itself, and then there's like seven pages of uh, testimonies of like people who see Bigfoot and stuff like that. Because that's what the book's about. It's about Bigfoot and stuff. So I was just wondering if any of you guys have read it, and if you do read it, what do you guys think? Thanks a lot. I don't know how I didn't know about this book because I love this is total thing, but... up your alley. I heard Tom on Around Comics raving about it. Um, it's a it's he described it as a cryptozoology book, and, and when I heard that, I'm like, Connor's gonna love this. So, <laughs> um, I've, right been, I've been meaning to pick it up. I haven't yet, but I will. So, Josh, well, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't I, I there was something about his. I heard that show, and I was something about his description of it that made me not want to pick it up for whatever reason. Yeah. But I don't know. I've never really been interested in that kind of thing that much. That might be. Oh, it. I love the, I love the old in searches in search ofs with uh, Leonard. Yeah, Miller. those yeah, shows yeah. are great. Yeah. So, but well, Connor used to, Connor used to watch uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Ugh. To Quite call crazy. it religiously is actually <laughs> not even doesn't do it justice. Um, I mean, like religious if you're the Pope. <laughs> so that's that's pr- that's proof. Issue one and issue two just came out. And it's published by Image Comics. So if you like uh, Sasquatch and Yetis, go pick it up. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> our, our, Brad. 
<laughs> All right, our next voicemail um, recommends something that could mean something later on. Hey, guys. Uh, this is uh, Brett, but you can call me the Dude Von Doom. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been uh, reading Submariner, like Namor's little like six-issue stint, but um, I just saw the very... I read the very end of it, and my God, as... Uh, huge Doom fanboy and a huge fan of Namor, I nearly exploded. Uh, my head nearly exploded. My, uh, you know, pants nearly exploded. I won't get into that. But yeah, just wondering if you guys have been following it and if I spoiled it for you or not. But, uh, yeah, I'm barely, and <laughs> I'm barely comprehensible right now because I'm just so excited about what has happened. So, uh, I'll just, uh, let you guys go. All right. See ya. Bye. It sounds like it sounds like he's the opposite of Glenn from Texas. Whereas Glenn is not excited, he may be too excited. <laughs> yeah, oh, I get it now. I was like Glenn from Texas. Oh, you're. <laughs> it's a callback. It was a callback. It's only, like it only like ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, no, he's excited. So he what he did do is he apologized for spoiling it, but he didn't spoil it. So I'll spoil it. Um, I actually read this issue um, uh, out of nowhere. I wasn't reading this Namor series, but I heard that this the last issue, the issue that came out this past week, had. You know, huge impact to the Marvel Universe if you care about that sort of stuff. But essentially, um, Namor made a, a king-like decision to abandon Atlantis and to have the entire Atlantean population just spread out across the globe and fit in. And then he took the Atla- then he took the Atlantean army, and it ended with the Atlantean army marching into Latveria and Namor shaking hands with Doctor Doom and Doom going, "Welcome to Latveria." So wow. it looks like Namor and Doom are now allied, and now Doom has a, an Atlantean army, and now Atlantean people are spread out amongst the you know the human population as sleep as a, could be sleeper cells. So talk about sowing the seeds of like a huge thing. Maybe oh I don't know two three four events down the road. Which is in four months. Yeah, exactly. This, they, they have their events planned out to 2015. Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, I heard it, and actually the issue wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. And our last voicemail comes from uh, a bit of a response to a voicemail last week. Hi, this is Brian Bendis calling to thank you guys for uh, pick of the week in your podcast and online for powers, and we really, really appreciated it, and we really appreciated the. Uh, level of discussion. So thank you very much for that. And i also like to thank uh, Daryl for uh, slapping me across the face for a retcon, of which there's been no evidence that I'm actually going to do. So I appreciate the hate on, but wait till I do it before you start yelling at me for it. See, you wrote it in your head, and you're yelling at me for what? I, for what's in your head. I didn't write that. All right, you guys are awesome. Keep up the podcast. It's awesome. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Well, how about that? I didn't expect that on uh, Monday morning when we got that voicemail. <laughs> Certainly not. Yeah. So um, I just like that he took it to Daryl. Yes. That, that, that's I mean, what, if yeah. anybody needs to have it taken to and there's one guy who could do it. Yeah. And he well, makes, now Daryl's going to take it back. Yeah, Daryl. Yeah. Bendis has called you out, Daryl. What's your response going to be, huh? So. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this will lead up to a WrestleMania event. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> All right, so um, so if you if you want to call and leave a voicemail or or stick it to Bendis, uh, you can call one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven.
all right, cool. Uh, so, so a couple, a couple of things. Um, uh, we've been bringing you this podcast for over two years, and we've been giving you the website for for seven years, or whatever. Um, now, some time for you to give back to us a little. Um, um, <laughs> we're, we're we're just trying to get an idea of who's listening to the show and um, some information about you all. So, if you head over to ifanboy.com forward slash survey, um, we actually have a very uh, very brief survey where we just we're just trying to get some information about the audience. So, if you demographics, could, yeah, demographic information. So, if you could help us out with that, <laughs> go to ifanboy.com forward slash survey. At the very end, you'll have an opportunity to enter your email address. We're going to make this worth your while, and there's going to be a, a giveaway. Um, a lucky winner uh, who takes the survey is going to receive an iFanboy kind of grab bag of like goodies um, that we will mail to you. Um, so you've got to be in it to win it. So go to iFanboy.com forward slash survey, um, answer some questions, and you could win some free stuff. So and it's co- it's comic stuff. It's not just like you know a USB cable I've laying around. <laughs> Although it might be now. It could be now. Throw, yeah. throw that in because you, you, whenever you need one, yeah, exactly. It's not there. So. Um, also, something you may not know you needed, but you do, is another live iFanboy show. Woo! Yeah, we did one uh, a couple months back for the hundredth show, and we had a lot of fun with it. And we thought, what a wonderful treat for the holidays. Um, to do another show for the people, not for us. We don't we don't get off at all on having people come and clap when we talk. That's that's doesn't do anything for us. But we're gonna go back to Jim Hanley's universe, uh, who hosted us last time and we had a, we just had a really good time. Um between Christmas and New Year's on December twenty eighth at eight PM. Uh we'll have more details that follow, but if you were you know you're off from work that week and you want to come in uh, to the city and you're a little outside and you know if you missed the last one we're doing another one so uh, please it'll be a good time so mark that down yeah. and the holidays are coming so it's, if you need to buy stuff go to ifanboy.com slash store where we we uh, list all the books we talk about in every week's video show as well as our our random picks of all kinds of media and you can also search Amazon there and you can uh, help us out without spending any extra money on your own so ifanboy.com slash store um, and then uh, ifanboy.com you're there anyway so each week there's the pick of the week that goes up on Wednesday night or Thursday night as this week was the case um, and lots of other blog posts and opinions and, and, and stuff we're interested in and conversation and there's also uh, yeah that stuff <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. There's also – we also do a video show in case you haven't seen it. If you enjoy the audio podcast and you haven't seen the video show, check it out. Um, we kind of go more in depth on there. Um, and that comes out every Saturday around 1 o'clock uh, – uh, 1 o'clock. Well, yeah, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Um, and you can see that at ifanboy.com or at revision3.com forward slash ifanboy. Uh, the one that came out yesterday was our kind of uh, creator spotlight on Mike Waringo. Um, and then next week we're going to be uh, peeking through that fourth wall. So check it out. Um, iFanboy fanboy t-shirts are available at jinx.com forward slash iFanboy. You can pick up your intern nation t-shirt there and send in a picture of yourself if you do wearing the shirt. Send it to jinx.com. You get some free stickers. Send them to us too. You don't get free stickers, but you, you get our thanks. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And uh, if you were to send them to us, you would have to email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can call us up and tell us how comfortable your shirt is at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, <laughs> a series of numbers and uh, email addresses that should be seared on your brain by now. <laughs> and your shirt you, is itchy. <laughs> and if you listen <laughs> – if you listen to the podcast, you're probably on MySpace or Comic Space or Verb or Facebook or Twitter, and you probably want to find us. So uh, you go to any of those sites, you can find us. Um, you probably know how to do it, so figure it out yourself. <laughs> and, if you like the, and if you like the show, you can uh, write a review on iTunes, or even better than that, you can tell your friends about the show, your comic book buddies, your comic book store owners, this show, and the video show. Thank you. 
All right. Um, we said earlier how you could indirectly help the show out, and you know that's easy. That doesn't take anything. But if you're thinking I want to do something, it's the holiday season. They've been they've been so good to me. How can I be good to them? There's the donations at uh, ifanboy.com/slash/donations, um, and you can click there to donate us some some cash to help the show. Yes. Keep- because we got a, we got a, we're back into the the hype mode. We got a lot of stuff coming your way for the new year in 2008. So your donations help make that happen. So oh yeah, yeah. You remember last year we said that, and then all of a sudden there were 50 video episodes. Yeah, I know. How about that? And and yeah. lots of conventions and live shows. Can you all? What could come in 2008 that we haven't done yet? Listen, Born. I'm telling you right now, it's it's not for us because it's not fun. No, not at all. We're gonna be un- <laughs> we're actually gonna be unveiling a new section of the website in 2008. It's our entire section dedicated to slash fiction. And all sort of, you know. <laughs> and then Captain Kirk looked at Trigon. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not. No offense to the slash fiction fans, but we're, we won't no, be doing defend that. them. Yeah, do it. But... <laughs> it's okay. Wait a minute. I've been writing for like three months. <laughs> You're doing an epic Batman slash fiction you, tale. You said that was gonna. You said that was a go. You're not curious? It's, Connor. You're, you, there will be a place for your Batman erotica slash fiction, so it will awesome. be okay. So, awesome. all right. I, I think that's a good. He time. hired an artist to draw it. <laughs> I John was, Byrne, it cost $10,000. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was doing some research for the video show, and I stumbled upon an X-Men slash fiction comic art site, and it was all por- like comic porn yeah, drawings research. of X-Men. Yeah, you was, loved it. <laughs> I emailed Pete Townsend immediately to tell him about it. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. I think that's enough I'm for I'm not even week. talking. I'm not even I'm, – I'm done. I'm not talking anymore. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Josh is done. He's really not so, talking. He's mad at you. <laughs> you slammed the Townsend. He's pissed. <laughs> and above all this fall.